strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. I'm Jen. And today we are going to talk about the Valley of the Kings. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> are you, are you going to tell me? I am. I am, yeah. Okay. So the Valley of the Kings in Arabic is called Wadi al-Muluk, also known as the Valley of the Tombs of the Kings, also known as the Valley of the Gates of the Kings, is in fact a valley in Egypt where it rested in a long, narrow area just west of the Nile River in Upper Egypt. So did you just speak in Arabic for a second? Yeah. yeah props. That's oh, all. Thank you. So this is an area in West Nile River in Upper Egypt. From a period of nearly 500 years from the 16th to the 11th century BC, hand-carved tombs made from rocks were excavated for the pharaohs and powerful nobles of the New Kingdom, which occurred between the 18th to 20th dynasties. That's right, because the BC goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so 16 to 11. So the valley stands on the west bank of the Nile, opposite of Thebes, or modern Luxor, within the heart of the Theban necropolis. So within a 2005 discovery of a new chamber and the 2008 discovery of two future tomb entrances, the valley is known to contain about 63 tombs and chambers. It was the burial place of the major royal figures of the Egyptian New Kingdom, as well as a number of privileged nobles. It was shown that the royal tombs were decorated with scenes of Egyptian mythology and gives us clues as to the beliefs and funeral rituals of that period. Almost all of the tombs seem to have been opened and robbed, but they still give an idea of wealth and power of the pharaohs. This area has been a main focus of archaeological and Egyptological. Is that how you say that? Egyptological? Sure. I know so fucking little about Egypt. You'll know a lot of references because, trust me, I'm, I'm yeah. excited to let you hear them. Okay. So this area this area has been a main focus of archaeological and Egyptological exploration since the end of the 18th century. Its tombs and burials continue to encourage research and exploration. In modern times, the valley has become famous for the discovery of the tomb of Tuntunkamun, also King Tut. And it is one of the most famous archaeological sites in the world. In 1979, it became a World Heritage Site along with the rest of the Theban necropolis. So the types of soil where the Valley of the Kings is located are an alternating sandwich of dense limestone and other rocks which form from the cliffs in the valley and the nearby Deir el-Bari and soft layers of Mari. This rock was originally formed between 35 to 56 million years ago and during a time when the former Mediterranean Sea covered an area that moved further inland than it does today. Builders took advantage of available geographical features of the land when they were building the tombs. Some tombs were quarried out of existing limestone cliffs or at the edge of rock spurs that were created by ancient flood channels. Between 1998 and 2002, the Amara Royal Tombs Project investigated the valley floor using ground-penetrating radar and found that below the modern surface, the valley's cliff descended beneath the rubble in a series of abrupt and natural-type shelves that are arranged from top to bottom, one run on top of the other, and fall several meters down the rock in the valley floor. Just to tell you some history about the uh, Valley of the Kings. So the Theban hills are dominated by a peak of Alcuran, known as the ancient Egyptians as the Tadente, or the peak. I think I just went through period there for a second. You did. <laughs> also known as the peak. The squeak. So it, it has a pyramid-shaped appearance, and is considered part of the pyramid family of the Old Kingdom, more than a thousand years prior to the first royal burials. 
Its position is isolated, which results in a reduced accessibility, and the special tomb police, known as the Magi, were able to guard the necropolis. Do you know where that's from? The Mummy. The Mummy. No, but I'm thinking of Gift of the Magi. No. There are tomb police. There's a, is there a book, The Gift of the Magi? Yes. Yes. I'm just talking about the movie The Mummy, Brenda Fraser. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of that book. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, but tomb police... I just want to, like, Lara Croft it, though. Well, this is, yeah, I mean, that's modern. Not, she's, like, yeah. a Tomb Raider. Yeah. But she could also be, like, Tomb FBI. Oh. <gasps> yes, it did. Did you just think of a whole, like, new TV series right there? CSI Egypt. <gasps> oh, my God. Call me. I got <laughs> the hits. So, while the iconic pyramid develops of the Giza Plateau have come to symbolize the ancient world of, er- of Egypt... The majority of the tombs were right in the rock, while most pyramids contain sections which are cut out into the ground level. So these tombs are right into the rock. A lot of the pyramids that we see today on social media and in history are all built in the middle of nowhere on ground and work their way up. But these are right inside the rocks. So these are more like Petra style. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Despite the name, the Valley of the Kings also contained the tombs of favorite nobles, as well as the wives and children of both nobles and pharaohs. Only about 20 of the tombs actually contain the remains of kings. The remains of nobles and the royal family together with unmarked pits and embalming reserves make up the rest. Around the time of Ramesses I in 1301 BC, the construction began for a separate area known as the Valley of the Queens. I don't want to be with those stinking kings anyway. (laughs) I want my my own valley. Amenhotep III's tomb was constructed in the Western Valley, while his son Akinaten moved his tomb's construction to Amarna. It is though that the unfinished tomb may have originally been meant for him. Within the return of the religious orthodoxy at the end of the 18th dynasty, King Tut returned to the royal necropolis. Welcome back. We've missed you. We were lost without you, sir. So the 19th and 20th dynasties had an increase in number of burials. There are some kings that are not buried within a valley or whose tomb has not been located. In the period of age, the tomb of the king was associated with the mortuary temple that was located close to the pyramid. As the tomb of the kings was hidden, this mortuary temple was located away from the barrier closer to the agricultural facing towards Thebes. I want to work in the mortuary temple. <laughs> Can you imagine? That oh would be my, my job in ancient Egypt. 
I would work in the mortuary temple. Well, these mortuary temples became places that were visited during various festivals that were held in a Theban Acropolis. Yeah. I work in the party place. And the most famous festival was the beautiful Festival of the Valley, where sacred barks of Amun-Re, his consort Mut, and his son Kosu left the temple at Karanak in order to visit the funeral temples of the deceased kings on the West Bank and their shrines. Party at the necropolis. So the tombs were constructed and decorated by the workers of the village of Del El Medina, located in a small area between the valley and the Valley of the Queens facing Thebes. The workers journeyed to the tombs through the various routes over the Theban hills. The daily lives of these workers are actually well known and are recorded in tombs and official documents. The area has been a major focus of Egyptian exploration for the last two centuries. Before, what, Were their lives good? Pretty sure they were actually really good. I mean, this is a place... I want to just decorate tombs. <laughs> thing is, though, is that before anything really ever happened to this area, before it became so isolated and so dead, and before people actually even found it to begin with to explore and find all these tombs of these pharaohs, it was actually a tourist spot for people of that time. Well, yeah, like people you always see the everywhere tombs of famous people. Of course. So, I mean... These, Elvis Presley, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. So these people... Jim Morrison... These people who decorate these tombs, they, they love what they do. They, they, they took pride in it because I, people came and saw it. Hell yeah. So before exploration, it was a site for tourism in antiquity, especially in during the Roman times. This area illustrates the changes in the study of ancient Egypt, starting with antiquity hunting and ending in the scientific excavation of the whole Theban Acropolis. Despite all of its elevations, only 11 of the tombs have actually been recorded. Many of the tombs have graffiti written by these ancient tourists. There have been just about under 1,000 different types of graffiti, and the oldest dated back to 278 BC. Mine says, Jen was here with a chaos arrow. No, you can't do that because... That's how they know that I was there, though. I did it in antiquity, so my shitty graffiti is actually part of history. See? Boom. You're always about, like, never messing shit up, and I'm always about fucking it up. I know. Some people got to ruin the party for everybody. But this is, like, way back in the Theban ne- Necropolis. I know. I know. You know? I know. The first, the first uh, known graffiti was two seven, 278 BC. I mean, even then they loved graffiti. People want to be a part of shit, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. they want to, like, they make their mark. They want to feel part of something. I've actually never graffitied anything. Me neither. Just in case anyone gets mad, I have not actually ever graffitied any historic, like, documents or... Nope. In any historic landmarks, I would never. I would never. I would never. No. I would just joke about it. I mean, a bathroom wall, maybe, but <laughs> just kidding. So, in 1799, members of the Necropolis expedition drew maps and plans of the known tombs for the first time. Was noted the site of the tomb of Amenhotep III. That all, all the words mingled together. All exploration. Right. <laughs> European exploration continued in an area around Thebes during the 19th century. Early in the century, the area was visited by Belzoni, working for her, for Henry Salt, who discovered several tombs. The end of his visits, Belzoni declared that all the tombs had been located, nothing noble of value remained to be found. Around the start of the 20th century, American explorer Theodore M. Davis had the excavation permit in the valley. His team discovered several royal and non-royal tombs. In 1907, they discovered a possible Amarna period. After finding what they thought was all that remained of the burial of King Tut, it was announced that the valley was completely explored and that no further burials were, f- were to be found. In Davis's 1912 publication called The Tombs of Harmababi and Tutankhamun, closes with the comment, 
I fear that the Valley of the Kings is now exhausted. You know what, though? Like, here's the thing. If you can learn one thing throughout history, it's that, like, you can never predict the future and you can never understand what technology is to come Mm -hmm. that could help aid in further discovery. You should never say that everything is found and that everything is discovered. How, even at the turn of the night, like, 19th to 20th century, 1912, how did they not already even know that? That, like... This hasn't, like, it wasn't brand new. Like, people had been discovering things for, like, centuries. Mm-hmm. Like, what makes them think to be so bold, so brazen, to say so narcissistic, that it's exhausted? We found everything. No. There's no fucking way you can know that, man. Nope. nope. So after Davis's death in 1915, Lord Carnarvon acquired the concession to excavate the valley, and he, hi- and he hired Howard Carter to explore it. After many searches, they discover the actual tomb of King Tut in November of 1922. There you go. There you go. See? There you go. So various expeditions have continued to explore the valley, adding so much more knowledge to the area. In 2001, the Theban Mapping Project designed new signs for the tombs, providing information and even aerial plans for the open tombs. So the majority of the royal tombs were decorated with religious texts and images. Is what they found. So the early tombs are decorated with scenes of Amandwat, which means that which is the underworld, which describes the journey of the sun god through the 12 hours of the night. Tombs are decorated with the books of gates, which shows the sun god passing through the 12 gates that divide the nighttime and ensure the tomb's owner's own safe passage through the night. These earliest tombs were very lightly decorated, and those of non-royal nature were completely undecorated. I want to read the book that talks about the travel of the sun through the hours of the night. There are many of them. There's the Book of Gates, the Book of Heavens, there's the Book of Caverns, there's a lot of them. And each one represents a different type of tomb. So late in the 19th dynasty, the Book of Caverns which divided the underworld into massive caverns containing gods as well as the deceased waiting for the sun to pass through and restore them to life, was placed in the upper parts of the tombs. A complete version appears in the tomb of Ramesses IV. The burial of Ramesses III saw the Book of the Earth, where the underworld is divided into four sections, highlighting in the sun and being pulled from the earth by Nanuet. Much of what we know about Egyptian culture and history comes from these things that were found in this in these tombs. Mm-hmm. The ceilings of the burial chambers were decorated with what became the official Book of the Heavens, which again describes the sun's journey through the 12 hours of night. I just, I keep on picturing just walking in through these entrances, lighting whatever could be lit at that time, and just seeing... Because in your mind, you imagine that there's like torches along the walls, right? Yeah, but then there's also graffiti and, and pictures and everything's and decorated. You see by candlelight, by firelight, mm-hmm. you see all of these beautiful hieroglyphics. And each one of them are for a different book. Yeah. The Book of the Heavens is painted on the ceiling. It's very fascinating to me. I don't know. I mean, that's why you're here, right? I know, right? So each burial was provided with equipment that would enable a comfortable existence in the afterlife. That was the whole point, right? So the whole point of the pharaohs being buried was. They, the pharaohs were promised to be gods, so they want to accumulate as much as possible in these tombs, their belongings. So they can be ballers in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So also in the tombs were items used to perform the magic ritual, such as Shabbatists and defined figurines. Some equipment was what the king may have used during his lifetime. For example, King Tut was uh, found with his sandals, for example. 
I mean, a man's got to have shoes. I mean, yeah. And some were specifically constructed based on the king's wishes. The tomb's evidence elaborated preparations for the next world in which humans were promised continuing life and the pharaohs were expected to become one of the gods. Like so what would you put in your tomb, Robin? Real oh. talk. Mom. What goes in your tomb? Oh. So part know. one, I need a massage slave. <laughs> we'll die and die in well, the tomb with me. Okay. Right? Well, they won't actually be in your tomb. They'll be outside or, next to you somewhere. Right. Massage. Okay. Bathtub. You Well, if you want, your tomb could be the bathtub. Like you, uh, your coffin could be the bathtub. You can be mummified in the bathtub. No, because I also want a really comfortable bed. You are probably the worst pharaoh I've ever heard of. <laughs> I want a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, that's common. And as many jewels as Chunk put in his mouth and Goonies. <gasps> that wasn't a lot. No, that was mouth. I want the jewels from mouth and Goonies, mm-hmm. a bathtub, okay. a comfortable bed. And a masseuse. And a masseuse. Got it. And books. Lots of books. Should I write? Should I be writing this down somewhere? Are you going to build me a tomb? No. Okay, with well the no. <laughs> Mummification was used to preserve the body so that the deceased eternal soul would be able to reanimate in the afterlife. The underground tombs were also well stocked with all the material goods a ruler might need in the next world. Treasures such as golden masks found with King Tut, but the tombs also contain more mundane things like furniture, clothes, even underwear and jewelry. So tombs are also well provisioned with enough food and drink, including wine and beer, for the royals feasting in the next world, as well as the sacred objects meant to help the deceased archive eternal life. Even the favored companions, such as their pets, like hunting dogs, baboons, and gazelles. What kind of food would you bring? Oh, shit. Cheese and tortillas? I mean... And steak. You have steak anytime you want, and you have a quesadilla anytime you want. What would you bring? I have no idea. Coffee. A lot of coffee. I know. I would need coffee. Fuck. A lot of coffee. The list just really starts to tick up the more you think about the things that you need in your afterlife. A lot of cheese. So tomb raiders, or treasure hunters, and archaeologists have been combing the valley of the kings for centuries. Many thought that the 62 tombs discovered before 1922 represented all that would have been found in the valley until Howard Carter, like I explained before, discovered the resting place of King Tut. In 2005, a team led by archaeologist Otto Schaden discovered the valley's first unknown tomb since King Tut's. The site was dubbed KV-63. So KV, King's Valley, 63. 63 is meaning the 63, the 63rd tomb that was found. And it was about 50 feet from the walls of King Tut's resting place. KV-63 had no mummy, but housed pottery, linens, flowers, and other materials. Some believe that it heralds the presence of another undiscovered tomb. At least one of the Ramesses' tombs is undiscovered, considering that it might be Ramesses VIII, and many believe that it would be discovered in the valley. Many archaeologists state that you never know what you're going to find when it comes to the Valley of the Kings. But if more tombs are found, will they be undisturbed as tuts and some, is something that no one really knows. Though their entrances were well hidden, nearly all of the Valley's known royal tombs were likely robbed before the end of the 20th dynasty. Egyptian records testify to rob the robbers' trials and to the harsh punishments that happened to them. Yeah, fuck them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, those are sacred things. You don't mess with somebody's, like, burial place. I mean, they're there for a reason. Yeah. You know, their whole their whole existence in life is their, after death, is, is their afterlife. Yeah. They work. I mean, just, just think about it. So they, they're born. They grow up. 
into this idea of my father's a pharaoh, my mother, you know, and 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 yeah, this the whole is point this of being is your pharaoh, life. This whole, is your life. Yeah, but the whole point of being a pharaoh is just to die and become a god. Exactly. Your yeah. entire life, you were trained to be a pharaoh to not only just live this life, but the second you're made that pharaoh, then your your first, I guess, business is to make a tomb of yourself. Right. You need a tomb. You need something that represents you so you can live your afterlife. Yeah. I mean, this is their whole process. So so you're going to go in there and you're going to steal all of their shit? I mean, that's very rude. I mean, just it's... It is very rude. It's just grave robbers and like the How worst rude. Life. So by the time the Greek writer Diorgos Silicus visited the Valley's tombs in around 60 BC, he wrote, it's possible that perhaps some tombs have yet to be found were so well hidden that it also escaped the notice of the ancient thieves. Only time would tell, or to these ancient Egyptians, maybe the secrets lie with the sun. The story of the Valley of the Kings, just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.